Evernorth Health Services, we believe costs shouldn't get in the way of life-changing care. And we're doing everything in our power to make it possible. Behavioral health solutions that also keep your projections at their best? It's possible. Pharmacy benefits that benefit your bottom line? It's possible. Complex specialty care that cares about your ROI? It's possible. Because we're already doing it. All while saving businesses billions. That's wonder made possible. Learn more at evernorth.com slash wonder. Big stories, big guests, the big picture. Afternoons with Rob Breckenridge. Weekdays 1230 to 3, 770 CHQR. Well, February 1st is just days away. And up until yesterday, we were days away from a pretty massive overhaul of Alberta's traffic court. But then we got the announcement yesterday from the Alberta government that they are pausing these controversial changes. They are going to delay these changes, they say, by 90 to 120 days, so basically three or four months, to talk to Albertans. So this is phase two of the Alberta government's Safe Roads Initiative, they're calling it. Phase one saw changes to the way impaired drivers are dealt with. Uh, These changes would have dramatically overhauled the way in which uh, a motorist can test a ticket. You would have seven days to decide whether to do so. You would have to pay a non-refundable fee for doing so. You would submit your case to an adjudicator, essentially trying to argue your innocence, trying to prove your innocence. And if that was rejected, your only recourse would be to file a judicial review. So certainly the deck deck seemed to be stacked against motorists. A system that would mean far more tickets would stand. Probably far more tickets would be written in the first place. Now, the announcement from the Alberta government yesterday in announcing the pause didn't really seem like they've changed their mind on this. And it sounds like maybe the goal over the next 90 or 20 days is to accelerate their PR campaign and convince all of us that uh, this is a good idea. So the changes may still be coming. Joining us for some thoughts is uh, one of the individuals who was really sounding the alarm about this, and we spoke with him some weeks ago. Charlie Pester is a former police officer. He's a traffic court agent, operates Points Calgary, and joins us on the line here this afternoon. Charlie, good to have you back with us here. Welcome to the program. Hi, Rob. Thanks for having me. So how surprised were you by that announcement yesterday? Um, well, I, I knew, you know, I knew the public was finally starting to to, you know, kind of get their eyes opened on, on this. Mm-hmm. Um, and we knew they were feeling, they were feeling some heat. And, uh, you know, the, the bottom line with this delay is, is that in my view, th- this is simply, they're just trying to buy some time. So the public, uh, the public interest fades away. And I can tell you right now, I'm not going to let that happen if, if I have anything to say about it. And uh, there's a couple of things on this that people need to be clear. This $50 or 150 fee thing, that is really a red herring on this because this process is designed in the first place to find everybody guilty, okay? That's what it's been found upon right from the start, and that was clear uh, way back when in 2013-2014 when uh, the prosecutors, or one prosecutor in particular, asked one of the early architects of this plan, well, what happens to all the innocent people in this program? And his reply was, too bad, who cares, it's only money. So, you know, this is not designed to be a fair system. It's designed to to do a couple of things. Eliminate 
uh, crown discretion on matters involved to eliminate prosecutors totally hmm. and to eliminate eliminate judicial oversight. Um, you know, they could offer you a prize of $500 if you get found not guilty in this process. But guess what? You're not going to get any prize because you're not going to be found not guilty because it's extremely difficult to disprove a negative. Uh, Unless you have some kind of ongoing 24-7 video camera in your car, um, you know, (laughs) it's absolutely ridiculous. This thing allows the police to use... um, um, basically uh, a standard of perfection on enforcement and they can charge with the maximum charges for any situation because there's no case law the interpretation of everything is up to them um you know and and these are the real uh, issues behind this thing and i actually this um this release that the new current uh, justice minister uh, put out last night i find absolutely outrageous and frankly, insulting. And I'm not the only person uh, that's that's raising this view. I've spoken to other people that are involved in the court system, in traffic court, Um, not necessarily all on my side of the fence, but I can't mention their names because obviously their fear of uh, payback from uh, big government here is that this is absolutely outrageous when they try to blame traffic court for criminal charge dismissals and things like that. Traffic court, for one, when you're dealing with circuit courts, traffic court doesn't even run on the same days as criminal courts and circuits. And there's many, many empty courtrooms. So don't give me this nonsense about all our courtrooms are full up and things like that. That is absolute garbage, okay? This thing started way back in 2014. It's the same individual or individuals pushing the envelope on this. Uh, either one of two things, either the government's being misled and they're falling for it, or they're frankly being disingenuous with the public. And, you know, I've, you know, I'm kind of embarrassed to say I've pretty much voted conservative all my life. And I have never in my day seen a government that consistently, and I mean consistently, works against the best interests of the public on on pretty near every file. I mean, I just, I, I'm absolutely, I, I can't believe it. And and this is just one of many. And I'm going to call out the opposition on this too. And I think the NDP needs to take a stand on this. I This thing doesn't need tweaking. It needs dumping. This thing mm-hmm. cannot be tweaked. It's nonsense. Uh, it'll be a severely damaging to the public. And, and once people with a driver's license in their pockets start to see how bad it is, uh, the outrage is just going to build and build and build. So if they think three months uh, is going to buy them some time, let tempers heat calm down, well, I, I'm not going to slow down on this. I'm going to keep pushing. I'm going to talk to the taxi drivers next week. I'm going to talk to truck drivers on this. Um, you know, and any single person that has a driver's license in your pocket, this is terrible legislation absolutely disgraceful there's an interesting line in this press release yesterday it says quote we will listen to what albertans have to say and we will share the benefits of these changes with them so who's doing the talking and who's doing the listening here this is about selling the changes isn't it yeah well that's exactly what it is and and rob let me tell you something they came out with this proposal back in 2013 2014 and they asked for input from 
people like myself, uh, justice of the peace, lawyers, judges, a- anybody who's involved in the court system. And there was over a hundred uh, write-ups done on this, and I'm not talking. We're not talking yes and no questions. People did full in-depth write-ups. Uh, the JPs did a really, really good one. I can tell you that, and I've read theirs, and I have a copy of that. There was over a hundred of these, and to my knowledge. Almost every one of them was opposed to this type of move, okay? So they consulted. They didn't like the response, so they buried it. And what are, what are they going to consult on? They're going to tell people all these scary stories about, oh, if, if we keep traffic court, all these criminals are going to run around on the street. That is such garbage. The, the prosecutors in traffic court are not, are not criminal prosecutors. They're not lawyers. Uh, they're not going to be criminal prosecutors. Uh, the uh, commissioners, which is your trier of fact, which is in essence the role of the kind of the judge of traffic court, most people would think of them. They're not provincial court judges. They're, you know, they're they're hired for uh, traffic court uh, purposes. But they're not going to be going off all of a sudden, um, you know, into criminal court. And then they told us all this stuff when they did the impaired thing. Oh, yeah, the impaired are what's causing all the problems in criminal court. So they got rid of the impaired. And now here we are. Now we're talking traffic court. Well, what's next? Are we going to do assaults? Are we going to do minor thefts? Are we going to do, where does this end? This will be an endless assault. And once this comes into play, let me tell you what's on the plate next. The consistent fine structure, once they get an admin system, they can escalate the fine structure to no end. There is no check, no balance on it. They can do whatever they want, and that's their goal is to escalate that fine structure and um it's it, <laughs> i anyway there is an issue even just within traffic courts uh you know that that you know for example and i've been seeing anecdotally some people who uh have you know have filed to to contest their their traffic tickets they're getting trial dates of like july and august of next year yeah and so that's been how, brought- how, do, how do we fix that that's brought out by COVID, Rob. It's as simple mm-hmm. as that. There has, there has uh, in essence, been no traffic court other than, I think, about maybe a month to six weeks where we've had traffic court. Prior to COVID, uh, traffic court, generally in all the areas I went to, uh, you would get a date within three months. So what they're trying to do is they're, they're clearly using the cover of COVID as to these delays um, to make a permanent change to the rights of Albertans. And it's not going to stop here. Don't kid yourself. If these guys get away with it, other provinces are going to jump on board as well. Um, so, yeah. So that that's the problem. And they're not going to lose traffic court cases or criminal court cases because everything I've read, that anybody who's made the argument on delay where it's been created by COVID uh, has been uh, ruled as an extraordinary delay and it hasn't been an issue. So... And those things will will certainly work their way out relatively fast once uh, once the court system gets back going on a more regular type basis. That they'll they'll work their way out actually very quickly. So in the meantime, look, the takeaway here, and maybe the silver lining here, is that the government is sensitive to the public pushback here. They realize people are upset. They're they're trying to recalibrate. But what's the lesson here then for people who are angry? I guess it's to to keep pushing, right? Yeah, absolutely. I mean, let your voices be heard because you know what? I can get on the radio or TV or people can put 
you know, write-ups about what I say in papers and things like that. They don't really care what I have to say, Rob. All, what I'm trying to do is motivate the public to not have this attitude that, oh, my voice really doesn't count. Well, you know what? Your voice does count. Contact your MLA. Phone them. Send them an email. Let them know you're not happy and let them know you're not going to buy into this nonsense that they're trying to sell because they will i mean the comments i'm hearing is that these people will stop at nothing to try to push this plan through i mean it's as simple as that they've been at it for 10 years uh and and it's been non-stop and i know people that are involved in the court system from a government end who've been who've been going day to day over the last 10 years with this thing hanging over their heads and afraid to lose their jobs and things like that. You know what? The nice thing is right now, I'm in a position where I'm frankly old. <laughs> you know, uh, whether this happens or not, uh, I, I will clear whatever I have on my plate and I'll move on from there. But there's other people that don't have that, um, that aren't in that position and the problem is, if people think their insurance is bad now, and I hear these complaints about insurance, if you think your insurance is bad now, you wait and see what happens when this thing comes into play. Because I'll tell you, oh, yeah. you will be fortunate to be able to afford your insurance. I mean, it'll be an absolute luxury to be able to own a car. And I kid you not, because I know the surcharge levels that come into the into play in some of these charges, and I know what's going to happen when when this thing, if this thing comes into play how it'll take place. And, uh, you know, like I say, I'll, I'll fight this sucker out uh, to the end. Uh, and you know what? I'm not going to let it go to the back burner. And if this government thinks that's the way it's going to go, they're dead wrong. And you know what? If they want if they want to live and die on this issue for the next election, well, they're welcome to it. So, yeah. All right, much more at uh, pointscalgary.com. That's points with two Ts. Charlie, we'll, we'll stay in touch, and I'm sure we'll have a chance to speak again, and I guess we'll see yep. where we're at in uh, three or four months here. Thanks, Rob. We'll much appreciated, back. Charlie. All the best. Uh, Charlie Pester, former police officer, traffic court agent, uh, runs Points Calgary, pointscalgary.com. So his thoughts on all of this, your thoughts on all of this, 403-974-8255 is a number. Plenty more still to get to on the program. My name is Rob Breckenridge. We're back after this. I do want to uh, make note of the fact that today is International Holocaust Remembrance Day. And to talk about the importance of Holocaust education to ensure that the next and future generations understand what happened, what the Holocaust was. Uh, troubling a survey released this week, for example, by the Canadian charity Liberty Se- Liberation 75. About a third of Canadian American students questioned as part of the survey questioned as to whether the Holocaust actually happened. That's really troubling. And what does that say about our education system? So I do want to talk about the importance of Holocaust education. But also, there's a story here that I want to focus on regarding unresolved questions with regard to, in this case, uh, one of the heroes of the Holocaust, Raoul Wallenberg, who was a Swedish citizen, Uh, His actions saved about 100,000 Hungarian Jews during World War II. After the Soviet liberation of Hungary, Wallenberg disappeared. So now that Sweden is assuming the presidency of the International Holocaust Remembrance Alliance, B'nai B'rith Canada is calling on Sweden to push for answers. 
that Raoul Wallenberg deserves justice, even after all these years. Joining us to talk more about these stories, very pleased to welcome in the program here this afternoon, Ruth Ashrafi, who is a regional director with B'nai Canada, B'nai Ruth, thank you so much for joining us here this afternoon. Welcome to the program. Thank you for having me. Well, first of all, and I mentioned this this troubling report from Liberation 75 and, and what it tells us about whether we are teaching the Holocaust, the lessons of the Holocaust to the young people of today, that many young people in Canada and the U.S. maybe don't know about the Holocaust, don't know what happened. How, how troubling is that to you? Well, you know, in a way, I understand it. Because, let me tell you, the first thing you see when you walk into the Holocaust Museum in Washington is video footage of British troops liberating the concentration camp in Bergen-Belsen in 1945. And why did they make those videos? Well, the British commander there says nobody is going to believe this. This is so atrocious that you will only believe it if you see it with your own eyes. Those British soldiers walked in that camp and they saw piles of corpses, walking skeletons, and all of this did not happen hundreds of years ago, somewhere in the middle of nowhere in the Middle Ages, but it happened in the 20th century in Germany, one of the most modern countries in the world. And not only the images are incomprehensible, the numbers are staggering, too. Just to give you another example, in 1944, from the middle of May till the middle of July, 440,000 Hungarian Jews were deported to Auschwitz. 8,000 Jews a day, seven days a week, and the vast majority were gassed upon arrival. In 55 days, 440,000 Jews were dead. So it is beyond comprehension, but unfortunately it did happen, and therefore I think Holocaust education should be compulsory on the social studies curriculum in Canada in every province and territory. And I think it is the job of the Canadian government to educate the Canadian youth, because if they don't do it, kids will get their information from social media where anybody can say just anything. Yeah, and that's unfortunate. I mean, there's no shortage of, of Holocaust denial out there. I mean, I, I don't think these young people, as you say, are deniers per se. And maybe there is something to be said for the fact that it, it is just so evil that it's almost beyond the comprehension of, of young people today. But, you know, clearly th- th- these lessons are not being taught. Is, what do no. we see when we look across the country in terms of, of curriculum? No, and, you know, therefore, Holocaust Remembrance Day on a day like today is so important because you can say 77 years after the liberation of Auschwitz, why do we still need to remember this? But I think there are three reasons why this is so important. The first one is that the Holocaust was not just a crime against Jews and other victims, such as the Roma, homosexuals, handicapped, and Jehovah Witnesses. It was a crime against humanity. And just let me explain that for a moment. Jews were hated because they were different. For centuries in Christian Europe, Jews had been the only religious minority. They were always the other. But that exactly is the thing. We are all other, different, and unique. And that is what makes us human. And a society that has no room for difference has no room for humanity. And the troubling thing is that the hate that begins with Jews usually never ends with Jews. History has shown time and again that Jews are often the canary in the coal mine. And where you find this sort of hate, you find a threat to a free society. 
And the second reason to remember the Holocaust is that although it is only 77 years in the past, anti-Semitism is alive and well. In North America, in Europe, in the Middle East, Jews are being accused of almost anything. Jews control the government, they control the economy, the media, they attacked the Twin Towers on 9-11, they created AIDS, Ebola, etc., etc. The list is endless. B'nai B'rit organizes a national audit every year of anti-Semitic incidents, and the audit of 2020 showed an 18% increase in incidents over the year before. And if you put that in perspective, 15% of all the hate crimes in Canada are committed against Jews. The Jews are only 1% of the Canadian population. Jews are the country's most targeted religious minority. And I think... And, uh, yeah. I was going to say, in the pandemic, I think, has exacerbated the problem. You know, the same conspiracy theories that anti-Semites uh, uh, have, have used for years, they're, they're, they're now using COVID as well. Absolutely. Add it to the list, you know. Yeah, <laughs> the, list yeah. is, the list gets longer and longer. And I think the third reason why it is so important to remember the Holocaust is the famous quote of Elie Wiesel. He said that the opposite of love isn't hate, it is indifference. The opposite of art isn't ugliness, it is indifference. The opposite of life is not death, it is indifference. And that is the terrible lesson of the Holocaust, indifferent bystanders. Many disasters happen because people don't care and allow them to happen. And when we see someone suffering, we cannot stand idly by. We have to do something. We have to act. When you see something, say something. So, unfortunately, 77 years after the fact, the Holocaust still is as current as it was then. The history of the Holocaust is well documented. Uh, there is this, this outstanding question, though, about one of the heroes of the Holocaust, Raoul Wallenberg, who saved about 100,000 Hungarian Jews. And what became of him after the Soviets liberated Hungary in 1945? And Abreth is, is asking Sweden uh, to, to take a more active role in, in helping to solve this mystery and get some answers. Why is it important now that we understand the fates of Raoul Wallenberg? Well, uh, first of all, I would like to encourage all your listeners to go to our website, benaberith.ca, so B-N-A-I-B-R-I-T-H dot C-A, and sign that petition, because he was a Swedish diplomat who, with danger to his own life, issued false Swedish passports to Hungarian Jews and then made them uh, Swedish citizens. And he did that to 100,000 Hungarian Jews and saved their lives. And then this man, who helped so many, was arrested on January the 17th, 1945, and completely disappeared. We do not know what happened to him. The Soviets first said that he died from a heart attack in 1947. And then they changed the story. They said that he was executed in prison. And then in the 1950s, there were reports from other prisoners, and in the 60s, that they had seen him. And then the Russians gave documents, and all these documents, they contradict each other. Basically, this man who helped so many, he has not been helped very much himself. He is an honorary Canadian citizen, and I think we as a society, we owe him a debt of honor to find out what has happened to him and to ask the Russian government to open their archives and to let us find out what has his fate been. You think those answers are there, that the, the, the Russians know? 
Oh, yes, definitely, because there have been scholars who have made it their work and their, uh, their, their research projects to uh, compile lists of documents that, will, that show exactly uh, which document talks about him. For instance, in 1989, if I'm not mistaken, uh, Wallenberg's family went to visit the Soviet Union, and then suddenly they found uh, possessions of him who, according to the KGB, had fallen out of a cabinet that they were cleaning up. So suddenly they do find possessions of, you know, how many million people went through the Soviet Gulag uh, prison system, and they do find possessions from Wallenberg. They know much more than they let on. Much more, as mentioned, uh, Ruth, thank you so much for making some time for us here today. Really do appreciate this. Thank you so much for having me, and enjoy. good, good luck with the show. Yes, thank you, Ruth. Appreciate it. Uh, Ruth Ashrafi is uh, Regional Director with B'nai B'rith Canada. So uh, some thoughts on why there's still a need to get some answers in the Raoul Wallenberg case and uh, some really important thoughts from her on the importance of International Holocaust Remembrance Day, which is today. I want to revisit a story that uh, we first heard about back in November. And I had the opportunity, actually, to speak with Tanya Lee, who runs a book club. It's called A Room of Your Own Book Club. And this is aimed, maybe not exclusively, but primarily at uh, teenage girls, high school girls, and an opportunity for them to hear from and talk to uh, some, some prominent authors. And it's a really neat program that they've built. One of the events uh, was to have included Marie Hennen, well-known criminal defense attorney who's uh, written a book herself, a memoir. It's called Nothing But the Truth. However, back in November, we learned that the Toronto District School Board had informed the book club uh, that its students would not be attending this event specifically because Marie Hennon was involved. Apparently, they had a problem with the fact that uh, she had represented Gian Gomeshi in that very high-profile sexual assault case. This got a lot of reaction because the idea that somehow uh, a defense attorney should be faulted or criticized or blamed for defending an accused really seems to be a misunderstanding of how our justice system works and the important role that criminal defense attorneys play in holding the state to account, making sure that it's about proving guilt and the presumption of innocence. Well, fast forward to now, uh, there's an event planned for this weekend with Marie Hennon in a room of your own book club. In fact, it's uh, available to students right across the country. Joining us to talk about uh, the whole situation is the aforementioned uh, defense attorney and author Marie Hennon. Joining us on the line here this afternoon. Marie, thank you so much for joining us. Welcome to the program. Thank thank you, Rob. Thank you. Uh, so we became aware of this back in, in November. I think it was maybe the Globe and Mail first reported on it. When did you become aware that this book event that you were supposed to be a part of, that the Toronto District School Board had objected? Uh, pretty much around around there. I, I didn't get a, a lot of advance notice. It was cancelled at the last moment uh, and then went into a process of being reviewed. Uh, and uh, after a bit of outcry and furor, the TDSB um, reconsidered uh, their position. Uh, but there was no subsequent book club event uh, after that. And, uh, you know, that whole experience, I think, and uh, got both me and, uh, and people I know, a lot of lawyers, 
literally across the country thinking about what students really know about our justice system. And so we thought uh, we would have a national book club and we would have an opportunity to speak to high school students across the country uh, about what our justice system is. So we're pretty excited about the program. I mean, yeah, look, I mean, you're, you're certainly, you, you've been criticized, you know, you've been a lightning rod. I mean, obviously, you, you're used to that in your profession and your career and some of the high profile cases you've, you've covered. But this idea that you're controversial and the way the Toronto District School Board framed it, how did, how did you feel about that? Well, I, I, I'm not controversial. Uh, I think what people find controversial is what I do for a living. Most people don't know me personally. And, right. you know, when you've been in the business long enough, you understand that because people's perception and understanding of the justice system is really um, limited to what they hear in the media and what they see on TV shows. So I get it. I understand that people don't really understand uh, what the job of a defense lawyer or a prosecutor uh, really is. And I, I think that fuels a lot of the uh, feeling of uh, controversy around me. And, and that's why I think yeah. conversation and information is absolutely critical uh, in assisting the public knowing to know exactly what it is that we do. Right. Someone who's accused is just that. Someone who's accused. And and I do wonder what the impact is if if attorneys are worried that if, if I take on a, a certain case, a certain individual or somebody's facing a certain charge, uh, you know, that that's going to hurt my reputation or people are going to perceive me the wrong way. Even the idea that, that a lawyer would be afraid to take on a certain case, that, that's, that's not good for our justice system, is it? it? It really isn't. That's such a good point. You know, you can think of all the high-profile cases. Think of the people who defended Guy Paul Moran, for example, or Donald Marshall, uh, cases that were high-profile, notorious, and people were outraged uh, in those cases. And subsequently, those people are found to be innocent, exonerated by DNA. Uh, it's no easy job uh, to defend somebody who people have jumped to conclusions about. And we know that people jumping to conclusions is sometimes quite simply wrong. You know, the last thing you want is people to be afraid to do their job, to, to defend people just because the public doesn't like that person or uh, doesn't know the whole story. Uh, so that's a really concerning thing. And that's, you know, one of the reasons that we think it's really important to get out there uh, in the community and talk about the Canadian justice system and, and what it is we do. And quite frankly, what a gold standard it is. Yeah. Uh, and on another aspect to, to this whole controversy, and I know it's something you talk about in your book. I mean, you know, coming up in what's typically been, traditionally been a, a male-dominated field uh, and, and reaching the heights that you have. I, I think it is an inspiring message, I, I think, for, for teenage girls to be able to think about achieving success in the field of law, to, to maybe want to follow in your footsteps, to have a passion for the law. That, that's those are, those are all positives, I would think. There, there's a very inspirational message here, I would think, for young girls. Did that disappoint you about this whole controversy? Well, that, that disappointed me uh, greatly, probably of all of it. That's uh, a very significant disappointment. You know, I'm doing a job that is not new. I didn't invent it uh, this year or two years ago. Uh, it's a job that men have done for centuries. So there's nothing unusual about being a criminal defense lawyer. It seems to be that what was uh, striking and unusual is that I'm a female criminal defense lawyer. And it is important for young women to understand that uh, being in the legal profession, whether it's a defense lawyer or a crown attorney or ultimately a judge, it is an honorable thing. Uh, it's nothing to be ashamed of. 
and uh, that it is a career that is a valuable career and contribution uh, to the public. So it is important. It is really, really important for young women uh, to see us be visible and in this profession and ask questions that they have about it. Uh, so, you know, I, I think it is very concerning uh, when the criticism is gendered and um, because young girls are watching that, right? They're seeing how you're being treated and it doesn't inspire a lot of confidence in them. It's a bad message to send. Yeah, I agree. So maybe the silver lining to this whole controversy is that, you know, there's been a real discussion about these these important issues. Now we've got this event happening this weekend. Uh, tell right. us a bit more about about what's happening. That's great. Um, well, the event is at uh, 2 o'clock on Saturday. It's by video, and you can register. It's free. And what we're going to do is we're going to have uh, Tanya Lee, who is uh, the founder of uh, Room of Your Own, uh, do an interview with me. So we'll talk about the justice system. And really, it's wide open. It's for the students to submit questions uh, about whatever they want to ask about, uh, about the justice system, about what it's like in the profession. And then what we have is this phenomenal thing, which is breakout rooms across the country. We've had volunteers, defense lawyers and prosecutors who will be in these breakout rooms and make themselves available uh, to talk one-on-one -on -one with uh, high school students about the profession, about the justice system. And it's incredible. We've got volunteers from, from every province. And so it's really exciting because I think for a lot of people and a lot of young people in particular, it is really opaque what the justice system is. And I just think this is a, a great opportunity. I, I wish I had the chance to talk to a real life lawyer. I didn't know any growing mm -hmm. up and uh, it, it would have been a, a good opportunity. And the best part is it's free. So. First Class Facilitation, Dotsie, is the website, and I believe there's still some, some openings left. Uh, it takes place Saturday right. afternoon, 2 o'clock Eastern, noon Mountain Time here. Uh, Marie, thanks so much for making some time for us here this afternoon. All the best with the event on Saturday. Thank you. Thank you, Rob. Take care. All the best. Take care. Uh, Bye -bye. That is uh, Marie Hennon, criminal defense attorney, uh, author of the book, her memoir, Nothing But the Truth. And so she will now have this opportunity to speak with students, not just from Toronto, but from right across the country. I think there's still some spots left. First Class Facilitation. .ca is the website. Uh, you can uh, register for free at the website. This is happening on Saturday afternoon. It's a pretty cool event. And, you know, again, I mean, shame on the Toronto District School Board for the way they handled this uh, back in November. But I guess some good has come of this. I think it exposed the, the absurdity of the Toronto District School Board's position. I think shone a light on some of these issues. And I think it's given more prominence now to this event. So that's good. Thanks for downloading and listening to the podcast. Don't forget to subscribe, rate, and review for free at Apple Podcasts, Google Play, or wherever you find your podcast. You can also find me on Twitter at Rob Breckenridge. You can email me, rob at 770CHQR.com. Talk to you next time. Afternoons with Rob Breckenridge, starting at 1230 on News Talk 770 Calgary.